Hello and welcome to The Sleeper and the Bust. This is episode number 132. I am your host, Nicholas Minix. Uh, joining me tonight is, I'm really, really glad to have another special guest on with us, uh, uh, replacing Jason Collette. Uh, I haven't informed him yet, actually, that he's replacing Jason Collette, so I hope he's not overly intimidated, and he certainly shouldn't be. And uh, joining me tonight is Fred Zinke. He is a two-time winner, you can correct me if I'm wrong, two-time winner of Mixed Tout Wars. Yes, that is correct. Okay. Have you won any other leagues that I should be aware of and thoroughly embarrassed about? Last year, I won the Labor Mixed League. Oh, uh, man. That was the first time I'd won that one. Oh, geez. Uh, well, so clearly, uh, it'd be fantastic if you're listening and can get some fun, wonderful, uh, some more wonderful advice from yet another experienced uh, and tried a true winner uh, in Fred Zinke. Uh, works, writes for MLB.com. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. And Fred Zinke is a master of the trade. Uh, he he trades about as often as a day trader, and perhaps more so. And um, it works. So uh, we're, we're glad to get his perspective on a lot of players tonight. We have a lot to get to, so we will jump right into it. First thing we want to talk about, this is something we've been talking about a bit, is uh, the possibility here with Jason Grilly struggling as, uh, both before and after he hit the disabled list. Uh, now the Pirates have made the move to Mark Melanson, and, and Clint Hurdle has stated he hopes this. He, he His goal is to make this a temporary move. Um, I, I think, I mean, we, we all agree Mark Melanson's skills have so far, they have proven uh, to be to have held up quite well. Uh, and Grilly has been really kind of disturbingly bad for a good portion of the season. So it's not outside the realm of possibility that Melanson hold on, holds on to the job for the rest of the season. And Grilly has had some health issues in the past. How's your how's your feeling on this, Fred? How do you see this shaking out? Yeah, I think I think um, sorry, I think Melanson has his top tier closer upside. Uh, I kind of liken him to Cody Allen, where you look at a pitcher pitching a setup role who has all the skills to be an outstanding closer. He's just waiting for the opportunity. And I was a little surprised Melanson didn't take hold of the job and really run with it uh, when he when he got that chance earlier in the season. But now that he's got a second opportunity, I could totally see him just running with this the whole way. I think like, I know he he's not a top-tier closer right now, but I think that's the kind of upside he has. Yeah, I think that's. I, I think there's no question that 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 the upside is there. Uh, I, I mean, I totally agree that with the combination of uh, he's got a decent strikeout rate. That's not primarily his game. He, he's always had uh, featured a pretty good curveball, um, and and has uh, really set himself apart with a, a solid strikeout rate of uh, around nine per strikeouts per nine innings, combined with a fantastic ground ball rate. Uh, and the Pirates really have a they have a solid defense behind him, especially in the outfield if he does give up something in the outfield. So I mean it's it's a fantastic situation. He continues to pitch well. There's I don't think there's anything any kind of warning signs about his performance that we should ever really be worried about. And uh, I think the question is just whether Grilly can put together the kind of thing that uh, that that Hurdle is looking for in order to turn it around. So I think fantasy owners have been. Uh, you folks have been you asked. I got a few questions in the chat on Friday about the possibility of picking up Melanson. And I mean, I, I thoroughly admit I was wrong. I didn't expect uh, this situation to, to change hands so quickly, uh, but uh, wasn't, it wasn't. It, it turns out, I guess it's not all that surprising. And I think Melanson d- uh, definitely has the ability here to run away with it. And uh, 
totally opposite situation um, other than the fact that they haven't uh, had an established really closer here uh, in this situation. Anyway, the, the Angels have been it's, – it's a messy situation because Ernesto Ferreri has, has really struggled to maintain his hold on the role. And Mike Socha has certainly given him a, a couple of grand opportunities. Kevin Jepsen appeared in the latest save situation, gave up a home run on Saturday night. And we'll see what happens if the Angels end up with one again tonight. But uh, in the meantime, uh, Jepsen has not done well. Cameron Bedrosian, he has since been optioned to the minors. He's been horrible in a couple of safe situations and just not really effective at all in the meantime. So really, our uh, and Dean De La Rosa has also kind of been, he's, I believe he's been optioned as well. This is not, uh, it's, there's not a lot of pretty options, I guess, for the, for the Halos. And uh, Joe Smith looks like, I mean, pretty much clearly the, the effective alternative. We talked in the past about how Smith is not really, uh, he doesn't fit, the, fit quite the closer's mold. Uh, he's always kind of had to make up as more of a setup man, uh, effective pitcher who can get outs when you need him, but is not necessarily kind of that strikeout dominant guy in the ninth inning. Uh, but does, it ne- does that necessarily concern you, Fred? I mean, is this is this if you had to pick from here on out, who has more saves for the rest of the season for the Angels? Oh, I'd probably pick Joe Smith, but I actually think the Pirates and the Angels. There's a really good comparison point right there in the sense of uh, the Angels situation is one I would put in mixed leagues, especially I just just avoid altogether. The difference to me is that. If you look at the Pirates now, they have a good pitcher working as their closer, and they have another pitcher in Grilly who hasn't pitched well now. We're getting close to a calendar year since he's been really effective for a long period of time because he wasn't good in the second half last year. Uh, but Grilly to get that job back, is going to have to pitch well for a stretch. I think you were talking at the beginning of, of all the trades that I make and trying to think outside the box on this one. With the Pirates, if you own Melanson, there's a chance that you can go to the Grilly owner right now get him for you know a heavy discount because that guy might just not want to use roster space on someone who may never get his job back um you know it may just be a frustration all season and now you've got a situation where you should have a good closer the rest of the way because melanson can keep that job and pitch well or really can start pitching really well in uh you know a middle relief role and get the job back and then you've got him pitching well the angels is the complete opposite nobody has to pitch well to be the closer for the Angels because none of them are pitching well. Maybe you get lucky and some guy like Smith or or Jepson or someone takes control of the job, but I did a really good chance that just none of them pitch well. The Angels are contenders for a playoff spot. I think there's a good chance that by August 1st, the closer for the Angels is not currently in their organization. Yeah, that is true. I think that that's a good, it's a good possibility because the Halos have shown that they're willing to go out and make a deal. Um, I, I think... I've gotten past it. I, I've worn out the uh, the drum as far as Freire is concerned because – not to say that he has warranted uh, the love for him or anything like that. But Socha has been pretty devoted to him for whatever reason. He just – he he seems to have this uh, – the, the quote from him is our uh, kind of our, – our bullpen sets up best when Freire is in the ninth kind of thing. And that's the way he, he thinks. For whatever flaws exist in that thinking – <laughs> he seems reluctant to change it, but obviously, if if uh, the the guy he's putting in the ninth is not effective, he eventually has to reevaluate. And uh, I mean, I think that there certainly comes a time when Smith is. I mean, Smith is going to get probably a greater opportunity here uh, in the near future, at least to prove that uh, more often than not, this is who the Halos need to turn to. And again, like he just. He's he's a smart and effective pitcher, and um, he's going to be working with a couple of decent backstops. Uh, I, I think that there's a, if you're if you're going to be betting here, I mean, <clears throat> uh, it, it's 
I, I totally agree in the sense we we taken I, I have taken some criticism at time to say oh I'm stay away with stay away from the White Sox situation in, in a mixed league or something like that, and uh, but really I mean if if unless you're truly desperate for saves you don't want to be wasting fab money on players like this and getting into some kind of bidding war I mean sure if you get these guys for super cheap uh, and that's what I did I actually in in the Towers Draft League last week. Uh, I threw a couple of bucks on Joe Smith before this was for this was this was just starting to heat up again, and I said, you know what, I, I own Freire. Uh, should it should uh, I should say, and uh, I was I'm frankly tired of it, but <laughs> I insured my investment for for a very cheap price. I ended up getting a victory down to a buck, and and now I'm really pleased because it seems like I have a pretty good uh, edge as far as the save situation goes there. But at the same time, I'm not pleased overall because I would much rather have. Uh, Trevor Rosenthal or a Craig Kimber or somebody like that that is really <laughs> there's really not uh, really not putting me in position to uh, to be a real factor in the saves category in this I think yeah it's it's an ugly situation um, and I think that uh, I mean I, I tend to agree I think that there's I mean there's nothing certainly you can uh, maximize as far as uh, trade goes with the Angels but uh, like you said I mean it could be a situation that you could lock up with the Pirates and that's that's uh, an interesting perspective to say the least I think. Uh, as far as the Atlanta rotation goes, um, it's Gavin Floyd. Now that he is, uh, <clears throat> he has to have elbow surgery. Uh, he has a fractured bone in his elbow. I'm not going to. I'm not going to attempt to even pronounce the bone uh, that it was. Uh, so, uh, but the the important thing here it sounds like Floyd is out for an indefinite period, and and everyone is excited because we had just been talking about Alex Wood last week. Uh, and when the possibility was that the Braves were going to go back to him in the rotation, and now it is there. And it, we know, fantasy owners know, this, if this guy has a rotation spot, he's been really great in the time that he's been given an opportunity. He's had a couple of bad starts in his run, but overall the numbers are fantastic, and there's there's no reason that this guy should be available in any leagues. Uh, other than that, I mean, what else is there to say, Fred? Is, is there anything that concerns you about Wood, or are you, are you glad to have an opportunity to see what he can do for the rest of the season? Yeah, no, I'm I'm all in. Uh, yeah, there's no concern for me. Atlanta's a good place to pitch to, and the NL East is a good place uh, for pitchers. I, this could have even been uh, a bit of a boom to his value in the sense of this will limit his innings, and that was something that people were worried about at the start of the season. But he was in that relief role, and then he was sent down to the minors and stretched back out. And I mean, they, it might take a start or two before he's completely stretched out with the Braves, but this is, could be a situation where now he can pitch right through to the end of the season and fantasy owners will love having him in September. I think Wood's worth a lot. And uh, as far as he's someone who's going to deliver that low ERA and low whip. And once you have those two categories and strikeout rates, fine. And we all know wins are fickle. So I think he's a solid in a mixed league, a solid three or four, number three, number four starter, which is terrific for owners who stuck with him, you know, when he was sent to the bullpen and then, uh, and then until Floyd's injury, uh, it was definitely worth it. And that's a good, there's like that classic where people talk about talent over role. And sometimes you need to stick with talent and just wait for things to sort itself out in the role to emerge again. Absolutely. I think, yeah, he's probably kind of the epitomous case of that. And it's a fantastic point. And, uh, I mean, going along with that, you could say kind of the same situation for the St. Louis Cardinals who are, um, wow. I mean, this one kind of, this one, this one hit me a little bit out of left field, uh, but Michael Waka heading to the disabled list with a shoulder injury. And now Jaime Garcia, the same on the, at the same stroke, he's also headed to the disabled list with, with shoulder problems. That is by far surprising no one. But Waka is a little bit concerning, and uh, the extent of that injury is not real clear at the moment. But 
the important thing here is uh, clearly Mar Carlos Moti Martinez has at least for the near, uh, for the short term has an opportunity to stick around the rotation for a bit. Uh, he's had some struggles a little bit in the bullpen, uh, but uh, overall, it's actually he almost seems as if he's a better pitcher as a starting pitcher than he has been in the bullpen. But uh, how do you feel about this, Fred? I mean, as far as uh, the, the situation shaking out with the injuries uh, and with Martinez's outlook, it does seem like the Cardinals are going to have some alternatives, especially if uh, Martinez struggles. Yeah, and I mean, they can certainly, yeah, like Joe Kelly's on the comeback trail and Tyler Lyons will be available. And, uh, you know, this isn't a guarantee that Martinez stays in the rotation, but this is certainly a chance for him. If he pitches well, say, between now and the All-Star break, you have to think that there's a good chance that they'll just run with him. And like we were talking about with Wood, uh, his innings are completely managed now because he spent the start of the season in the bullpen. Uh, the thing with Martinez, I'm really torn on him uh, in the sense of, I generally just blanket trust Cardinals pitchers. They do such a good job with young pitchers that when someone like Waka comes up and they believe in them and, you know, and the stuff looks good and the numbers look good, like I'm generally all in and I don't expect a big regression because the Cardinals tend to handle pitchers, young pitchers so well. Uh, but Martinez has been pretty pretty inconsistent, and we've even seen that through his first couple starts. I know he's not stretched out. He isn't going deep into games yet. Uh, but his numbers this year are fine. They're not incredible. Uh, so I'm a little worried about him going to a starting role. And he, I think I have this. I think if fantasy owners just jump on him and think that they've got like a, like a replacement for Michael Waka, they're going to be really disappointed. That being said, if I was in a deeper mixed league, uh, I would definitely want to pick him up for the bench. Maybe my last rotation spot where you kind of mix in and out and just see what he does between now and the all-star break. Like the upside's definitely there. Uh, but I, I just don't think we're all, we're totally there yet with Martinez. Yeah. That's what concerns me. And I noticed like it, and I, I could be wrong. I haven't seen um, I haven't seen enough numbers to say that this is for certain holding true. But it seems like uh, he's he's displayed some some troublesome uh, platoon splits. Uh, had some real trouble retiring left-handed hitters, and it's really shown through. I mean, it's a strikeout rate of uh, about uh, less than five per nine innings against left-handed hitters, and has walked uh, an insane number of left-handed hitters in the limited time that he's faced them. And so if he faces a pretty lefty handy, uh, uh, lefty lineup or a manager wants to stack a lineup against him or something like that, it makes me interested to see if that's going to continue to hold. I mean, but overall, he's, he's been effective in the starter's role, and it seems to be that he's been a little more effective overcoming that. And I haven't seen all of his starts, or I can say that definitively. But, I mean, he's, he certainly has the stuff to succeed. But it seems like uh, he. It, it, the only thing, the only other thing that makes me wonder about that is maybe he's trying to be too fine. I've seen a couple of his relief appearances where it's just he. He seems like he overthrows, or sometimes he's trying to be too fine, and uh, it just makes me wonder if he's uh, just <clears throat> his overall is is, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, just kind of trying too hard. But I mean, it's it's one of those cases. It's a talent before role kind of thing, and in this case, maybe the role works out for him. But do not think. Uh, for a moment that because the Cardinals won't look at it that way either if they're not convinced uh, that he is the solution for the rest of the season uh, should it go that far they they have alternatives and they will certainly I think go to them and yeah, the only other thing I'd say on Martinez and, and the Cardinals is because we kind of trust the Cardinals with pitchers I will say they probably put some thought into this decision to put him in the rotation in the first place so they'll probably give him a decent rope. I don't think the Cardinals are – they don't come never appear to me as that knee-jerk organization that just, you know, jerks pitchers back and forth. Uh, you know, they put him in the bullpen. They resisted the urge earlier in the season to use him for a spot start or two. They said, no, you know, he's in the, he's in the bullpen. He's a reliever. And now they've put him in the rotation where, 
I guess they're, I guess they didn't tell us right away, but they knew that something was going on with Waka from the beginning, I guess, and uh, and that they were going to need extra starting pitching help. And like you said, uh, like Martinez and Wood are both great examples of that talent before role. And it all comes with the amount of opportunities you get in the sense of uh, starting pitchers. There's five spots there. So a talented guy has five opportunities where somebody can go down with an injury or, or, or be ineffective and you can get in. Uh, a shortstop that's blocked is blocked. For the most part, a starting pitcher who's is a starting pitcher who's blocked is worth holding on to, especially in deeper leagues, because there's so many chances for him to get in there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a fantastic point about the way uh, they brought along Martinez and or the well, just pitchers in general. And as you said, just uh, uh, this is uh, this is most likely a decision that they put a lot of thought, thought into. So. Uh, there's definitely some reason to think that there's certainly a possibility that this is a, a long-term move and uh, could could in fact work out for fantasy owners. It's, I still have some questions about whether Ruby De La Rosa is going to work out for fantasy owners for the Red Sox. Uh, they uh, now it sounds like the Red Sox expect they expect to be he, he expect it's expected that he is to be the member of the rotation that kind of loses out here once uh, all uh, pitchers are healthy. And this was kind of something we have talked about before in the sense that uh, how do we think this should play out versus how do we think it would. Uh, Felix Dubron, I mean, to me, is he's still, uh, with the combination of velocity down uh, in uh, as a member of the rotation and things like that, and he still was really, I mean, he wasn't effective in his return on Friday. Uh, and the Red Sox don't have to make this decision, this decision right away because Brandon Workman is, is basically going to uh, be pushed have everybody be pushed back or is going to skip a start because uh, he's uh, uh, on suspension. Uh, but Clay Buckholes is not too far away. And Buckholes could always struggle as well, although I think that they might uh, have ended up fin- figuring out some things that have fixed him. And we'll we'll see. But Ruby De La Rosa, to me, is kind of the talent that stands out. He's I think he's reached the point where he is ready and kind of burgeoning, uh, champing at the bit for a, a chance to keep this spot and has really been effective. Uh, and three out of his five starters, starts has been fantastic. And I think that uh, in the long run, I, I wouldn't uh, – to me, I view this as a situation where he's kind of maybe the next guy up as far as uh, talent before role uh, because the role to clinch is not quite there. But, uh, I mean, th- there's far from certainty here. Uh, and uh, I mean, how, how do you feel about De La Rosa, Fred? Yeah, I think I think fantasy owners have to learn from Wood. Uh, especially the Wood situation, you know, if you held him when he was sent down to them, when he was sorry, when he was sent to the bullpen, you're glad right now. And Dolorosa, the same thing. If you're in a, like a 10 team league, whatever, just go ahead and drop him. You probably can use the the roster spot on someone better that can actually help you. But in deeper leagues, hang on to the guy. Like you said, Dubron is a, not a good pitcher, and <laughs> Buckholtz is and Buckholtz is injury prone, and this year has not been a good pitcher. Yes. Like there's. There's a lot of problems in the Red Sox rotation. If they climb back in the race, there could be a moment where they just look at themselves and say, hey, we need this guy up. We need him starting. This gives us the best chance. You know, we're, we're up to five games. Out. This gives us the best chance to, to get all the way back. Um, or they could hit a point later in the season where they fall out of the race and they say this is a time to bring this guy up. Or someone like Dubron could go back on the DL in a week. So I think you hang on to him in deep leagues because – you know, it's managing a fantasy pitching staff is about getting good pitching performances. It's not just about getting a lot of pitching performances. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I think, I mean, it's because uh, they're in a situation where, I mean, for instance, it seems likely that Dubrant and De La Rosa will both make a start here uh, before they have to make an additional decision, at least one more. Uh, I mean, who, who knows? It could be the point where they say, you know what, uh, we we kind of felt this was the right thing to do. Uh, for X reason, and now uh, we're seeing that that you know we're second guessing ourselves based on the fact that uh, De La Rosa continues to 
pitched extremely well, and Dubron we've lost confidence in, uh, and justifiably so. So I think that uh, you know I, I think they want to continue to hang with Dubron as long as possible, and maybe they give themselves the option to go back uh, if if uh, you know, say one or two more starts convince them otherwise. Absolutely. And Kevin Gaussman is uh, he's Orioles have already talked about they're going to demote him, but uh, they. Their intention right now is to bring him back up on the, the 28th. They have a scheduled doubleheader, I believe it's with the Rays. That is this coming Friday for fantasy owners. And so don't be entirely discouraged. We talked about this. Eno is very high on Gaussman, and, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty high on him as well. Definitely love the talent. There's uh, a little bit of question about the, the – it's a somewhat straight fastball, but has a lot of great stuff uh, and has really proven it here in his last few outings with the club. Um, Gaussman, I mean, his situation seems to be a little more tenuous, but this is, it looks like yet another situation where it's talent before the, the clear role. Are, are you buying totally into Gaussman? Uh, I think that the transaction of sending Gaussman down was a bigger deal than what it really was because the Orioles knew all along that they were going to bring him back for the doubleheader this week. Uh, so they really, you know, it's a formality, it's a roster move. Uh, the point is that Gaussman's being held back by some pretty below average pitchers. I think Miguel Gonzalez has got to be the odd man out of that rotation at some point, uh, assuming that everyone's still healthy in a week or two. Uh, Norris, though, is questionable already. Um, so you see how those rotations play out. I, like if I was going to put the over under on, you know, say 12 more starts this season for Gaussman, I would take the over on that. I think fantasy owners that keep him will be well rewarded. Ah, it's interesting. And that's Gonzalez has kind of been easily seems like he should be the odd man out there and for good reason. Um, I and t- tend to agree. It's interesting. Norris has been really effective and it's definitely I mean, he's exceeded my expectations. Uh, it's interesting to see. I mean, he's he's dealt with a little bit of an injury problem here and there. I think he's been so far. I don't think that they're concerned uh, that enough that they need to skip him for a start. But um He's really exceeded my expectations. Is there? You think that there? Uh, uh, this, is he going to come back down to earth? Uh, you think this ends up? I mean, is anything you just says that stands out as saying, "Oh, Norris is destined to be injured" or anything like that? Yeah, I, 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 if I had to guess, I would say he comes back down to earth at least somewhat. I mean, maybe he's made some strides, but I, we've had a long, long track record of mediocrity from Norris over the last few years, and uh, the level he's been pitching at recently is probably over his head. Uh, so I wouldn't buy in big on him um, if he's someone you can add for a couple bucks and then use him while he's hot and be ready to jump off. Then that's fine. But I wouldn't. I w- he can't be in that class where a fantasy owner counts on him, especially a mixed league owner. You know, for the rest of the season, as a useful part. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, the numbers on him say. <clears throat> I mean, his, his velocity has actually increased from last season, and uh, he continues to use his slider a little less often. And uh, so, I mean, it makes me wonder. Uh, what he's really doing differently. I don't notice anything other than perhaps uh, maybe a velocity is making a huge difference with the, 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 his control is a lot better. Um, that seems to be kind of out of the norm. And I've seen him go on extensive streaks before with really good control and has kind of, you know, then slid backward. It's just, I think it's going to be interesting to see if he can maintain it because it doesn't, the numbers and, and like, for instance, his peripheral numbers, they suggest a worse ERA in general. And it, it, without knowing, that he's doing something extremely differently. And uh, I don't see anything in the numbers that say that he is. Uh, I, I can't help but think that he's due for some, uh, some correction somewhere. And so, uh, I mean, ultimately, it's I would say as far as Gaussman is concerned, Gail Gonzalez, I mean, they I think the Orioles have pretty, pretty clearly made that look like the, 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 the transition they would make uh, to keep Gaussman in the rotation. 
but uh, it's, it's uh, Norris to me is he he makes me so nervous that I'm not willing to trust him in a mixed league. And uh, if I could get off him even an AO only league by trading him or something like that, I certainly would like to do that. Yeah, absolutely. This is sell high time. <clears throat> as far as Oakland is concerned, right now they've they've had to put a band aid on. I mean, you have to feel for them in the sense of how much pitching they've lost to entering the season. And now Drew, Drew Pomeranz with the fractured right hand ends up with on disabled list. I don't think it's real clear how long he's going to be out for that. Uh, it's, it's nice that it's not on his pitching hand, but it is going to be on his glove hand. Uh, and so that's that's going to affect probably how comfort uh, his comfort level uh, as far as uh, his ability to put the glove on the hand. Uh, but Brad Mills is kind of the band-aid here. No, I would be scared to own this guy even in, in an AL only league because I don't want him blowing up my ERA. He wasn't really outstanding in his first start, and he's he's always been a pitcher who has had really good control and command kind of guy. But his really uh, his stuff is nothing special, and I don't think that there's any reason to see that change. Um, uh, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, Fred. But I th- and really the interesting thing is I, I think it's a good time to check in to see where Dan Shirley is because. Uh, it was is it, he's been a disappointment thus far, and then was demoted. And in his last start, he showed some promise in the start before the last, but then his last start, he was totally rocked. And I think that it's just I think the the A's have kind of made it clear that Australia's uh, not quite ready to come back up because uh, the the message that they're sending with putting Mills in as a stopgap. Any reason to see that differently? No, I think I think when your organization goes out and buys Brad Mills. To- take the rotation spot that you probably should have taken over that that's a pretty clear message that they think that you're uh, <laughs> not ready to come back to the majors i think as soon as dan straley read in the transactions that they put brad mills onto the roster and then immediately into the rotation he probably knew you know what they're thinking about him in oakland right now so i guess it is a sign in deep leagues if you were holding on to straley and hoping he would come back up this summer um, I think it's a sign that the A's will have to get really, really desperate before they make that move. And as we get closer to the trade deadline, they might even trade for, you know, I, I don't, they're not a splashy organization. They're not going to trade for David Price or anything, but they might trade for a low cost veteran uh, just to, uh, just to hang on, you know, before they turn to Australia, unless he really picks up his socks in the minors, but he's had those chances. So, and I agree with you on Mills. Um, I usually trust Billy Bean when it comes to pitchers and I didn't trust him on Chavez at the start of the year. And I got burned on that should have should have gone with him but i'm just not i'm not ready to go with mills i mean al only sure pick him put him on your bench and see what happens in a couple weeks i'll give the i'll give billy bean that much respect i'll pick him up nail only i'll put him on my bench uh but mixed leagues i would want to see a quality star or two before i even considered it yeah it struck me the the move that they made simply to get him on the roster struck me as a this will buy us a little bit of time till we can decide what we'd like to do for the rest of this, <laughs> for the rest of the duration of Pomeranz's injury, at least. And so, yeah, I think that that's, uh, I mean, that's really where it's, Australia is thoroughly disappointing. The control continues to be a little bit of a problem and that wasn't for him for a long time in the minors. So hoping that we see some changes there, uh, but I wouldn't, uh, until we hear otherwise, I would not be incredibly uh, encouraged about Australia's chances to rejoin the rotation anytime soon. What's been really encouraging um, for at least for those of us, I, I'm a CJ Cron owner in one league, um, and it's at, in a 12 team mixed league. Actually, it was kind of had the opportunity to be patient with it, primarily because it's an OBP league, an OBP and slugging league, and felt like uh, this was a guy worth holding on to for as long as uh, as long as possible, considering that the situation could eventually hammer itself out. But the uh, the Angels have since they have released Raul Abanez. That's that's you couldn't you couldn't say a more pleasing thing for most fantasy owners, I guess, other than those in AL only leagues who'd been holding on to him in hopes that he would show some some signs of life like he has in the last couple of seasons in New York and Seattle. But uh, 
it, it seems like it might be CJ Cron's time to shine, especially if Albert Pujols continues to have any lingering injury problems. But I don't think that's – right now it doesn't seem to be a real factor in it. It seems like they, that Cron is up for good because they've kept him around for long enough. They kept him around even on a swing to, to some NL parks uh, when they wouldn't have an opportunity really to play him. It, a lot of this says to me Cron is a guy that they want on the roster for the long haul. Uh, they and uh, I, I love the skills. There's not a ton of power, but I think he plays in 12 team mixed leagues even for the rest of the season. It's just a guy who can you can have around to say in your corner infield spot, a utility spot, uh, and not necessarily knock your socks off with the numbers, but can provide really quality production. I think Cron. Uh, I, I, I owned him in the labor league, and when he uh, when he fell, you know, to the point where he was rarely starting. I was pretty much ready to drop him and just didn't drop him because I had other guys that I could drop or I lost out on fab bids that I wanted. So he just kind of hung around on my bench because I knew the upside was there, but but I was fine with dropping him if I had to, and I'm glad that it didn't work out now. He's a really intriguing hitter now the rest of the way because he usually hits somewhere around the middle or the lower middle of the lineup. Uh, I guess now they're healthy, won't be the middle, but it could be you know right at the end where he can really drive in runs after they get to the meat of the order. He can kind of hit after that pitcher has worked their way all the way through, you know, Trout and Pujols and Hamilton, and you know then you get down to him around sixth or seventh, and uh, and you're kind of fatigued and and you've been throwing a lot of pitches and working really hard. And he's someone who can take a pitcher deep. I, I'm really intrigued by him as as a you know combination batting average power guy uh, the rest of the way. I think. Deep next leagues, he's got to be. I'd say in your lineup next week. If if he's not in your lineup next week, next uh, week in a deep mix league, your team's really good. Uh, <laughs> and even in a twelve team league, I think he should be on a roster now, uh, even if he's on the bench for now, because there's there is a lot of upside here. And I think the release of Abanez is kind of an affirmation. The Angels saying, you know, we're ready to we're ready to go ahead with him, and we think that that he can be a solid hitter the rest of the way. Absolutely. And uh, and I'll clarify, like I said, I own him in an OBP. It's an OBP and slugging league. And I mean, primarily I want him around for the slugging percentage. I think that he has excellent an excellent hit tool where the strikeout rate may concern you a little bit. And he doesn't he doesn't he hasn't really taken a lot of walks. But um, I, mean, I think that'll slowly come around. He's still not going to be a guy who walks really often. But at the same time, uh, he provides really uh, really consistent uh, contributions in the batting average category. And I think he has the ability at least. He he may not finish with a 284 average or whatever it is that he uh, that he has going in uh, going into today, but at the same time, th- certainly think he has the ability to hit at least 270 the rest of the way. He's a great double sitter, kind of can hit the ball well to the gaps, but uh, and he certainly has the power to pull one out. And I think his power is uh, it's slowly approaching peak. It's not quite at peak peak level, but he's I think he's getting there, and I think uh, it's overall he's, he's going to be a pretty solid addition in, in uh, fantasy owners lineups for the rest of the season. Yeah, and you think like nowadays in baseball, if you can find a power hitter who can also hit for average, uh, there's not a lot of them. You know, there's a lot of power hitters out there that really sacrifice the batting average, you know, to go in all in for the power. So there's a possibility here that that he could be someone special at some point. Yes, absolutely. Speaking of, as far as the Giants are concerned, they did make a call to the minor leagues, called up Joe. Panic. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. I don't know how else to say it, uh, but Panic is. Uh, Certainly, this is not a panic move. I'll say that, uh, and that's incredibly corny. But the Giants—they've needed some production in the middle infield, especially at second base. And uh, it looks like Panic is kind of a solution. He's—he's—he's he's, he's played for more than half a season at the well, about half a season at the AAA level. And it might not be a, a case necessarily where the Giants think that he's entirely ready, but a combination of things, basically, that they haven't gotten a lot of production uh, from the second base spot. 
and uh, and and from my understanding, uh, this is what I've read. Panic is a pretty good fielder, and so obviously that's 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 a bonus because it's not necessarily that uh, his bat needs to keep him in the lineup. But I think that that's pretty much what they're looking for. Panic does not have. I mean, he doesn't strike out. This is a pre- pretty good thing. Uh, pretty good thing going for him, and he uh, he's he's more than willing to work a walk. I think this is a, a pretty intriguing addition, uh, at least in very deep OBP leagues. Marco Scudero, um, it, it'll be interesting to see if he can bring himself back into the mix here. He is slowly kind of working his way back from this uh, serious back injury. Uh, but it, I think it, I think by bringing up panic, this is kind of the Giants saying, uh, we're not going to depend on Scudero returning. And uh, I, I think that's a smart move. They want to see maybe if panic is a guy who can be a solution for them. When they get into a playoff run, and if not, maybe that they go out and get somebody like uh, I've seen Daniel Murphy mentioned as a possibility. I think Murphy could end up being a possibility for the, for Toronto also for interesting depth. But right now, he looks like a great destination would be for him, San Francisco. But uh, I mean, any impressions on Panic yourself? And uh, what do you, I mean? What do you think about him in the long term? I mean, to, uh, do you see him as a, as a decent pickup anywhere? Yeah, I, th- I agree with you with with the Giants' way of thinking. I read an article or a column yesterday that said that. You know, they need to know about him now. So basically, he has a month to prove himself, a month before. And, and then in that month, they'll also evaluate Scudero and then decide if they need to go out and make a trade. And we know the Giants are aggressive when they think they have a World Series opportunity in their sights. Uh, I, to me, he's he's not that exciting for fantasy purposes right now. When you look at his minor league numbers, uh, neither his power nor his speed are really special. So now you're kind of wrapped up in hoping for him to get on base a fair amount. Um, that's always kind of iffy with uh, rookies. I, I'm I, Tommy Lastella aside, I was pretty interested in Lastella, who fits a similar profile, except I think a little higher end. Um, but with Panic, you, you're looking for on base. Uh, what if he just doesn't do that right away? You see, like even a great hitter like George Springer isn't getting on base uh, regularly right away, but he's hitting for power, so he's saving his fantasy value, and eventually he's going to steal bases. And um, but then you look at he started his uh, first game today, and I think they hit him seventh or eighth, somewhere near the bottom of the lineup. And you get down to the bottom of the lineup on a National League team and it doesn't present a great opportunity for uh, for a guy to score or drive in runs. And the top of the spots in the Giants lineup are pretty much spoken for as long as they're healthy. So for me, the upside's really low on him. If, if you're someone who's just got a, like a total hole at one of your middle infielders, second base spot, and you're just looking for a guy who might be able to hit you know, for a decent batting average and, and not hurt you, then I think he's fine. But to me, he's not someone that you spend a lot of money on or really make a point of getting. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I, I would have to agree. I think that uh, bottom line is he's he's an interesting player and in an only league, somebody I would I would like to throw in a little bit of money on uh, because, I mean, it looks like he has the tools to tread water. And I think that that's really all the Giants expect from him is if he can tread water, they will be thrilled. And uh, they might move forward. And even then, though, they might not be convinced uh, that he's the solution that they want to go with. Uh, but they I mean, I think that they want to address uh, they want to address a number of issues on the team, potentially. Um, and maybe uh, if, if they think that panic can serve the purpose, it'll allow them to go make make trades for other spots. But uh, ultimately, I think panic is going to I mean, but it, panic is a guy that I look at as. Uh, and mixedly, uh, he's. I mean, he's not mixedly material. I think Lastella was a great comparison, except in the sense that, like, 
Listella is has the opportunity, and they've already moved him up a little bit in the lineup. I think that the Braves are confident and comfortable with his ability and continue to do that. I don't think Panic is ever going to get that really that opportunity uh, because he just doesn't present the same kind of uh, upside or skill set. And so, yeah, that's uh, is is really kind of an end only play at best, and certainly nothing the mixed leaguer should be looking at. Yeah, and I mean the real difference with the Braves too is the Braves all along have been desperate for a leadoff hitter. Like Jason Hayward's kind of miscast in that role, I think, and it hasn't really brought out the best of him. hasn't caused him to break out. So I mean, Lostella was just sitting there at the bottom of the order, and he has hit leadoff in some games recently. And he's like, he was just sitting there waiting for a chance. He doesn't. He can't steal bases, but if he can hit 300, the Braves are. I think they're the second lowest scoring team in baseball right now. So, I mean, he's got a chance now maybe to spark them at the top, move Hayward into an RBI position in the middle of the order. And like you say, with Panic, there's there's really no chance, barring up multiple injuries to, to Pagan, Pence, players like that, there's really no chance that he hits high in the order. Yeah, absolutely. And we will we might touch on Pagan just a bit because there is some health concerns with him. But uh, just wanted to mention real quickly, it's, it seems like uh, Mike Mustak, this is some stuff we'll touch on briefly. Mike Mustak uh, sounds like he's going to be the regular third baseman against right-handed pitchers. And, and Danny Valencia back, he sounds like he's going to hit regularly against left, uh, left-handed pitchers. So they basically have turned this into platoon uh, at third base. I think the only question is whether Mustak is so the, the Royals offense in general has turned things around. Uh, here recently, Mustakas has hit something like uh, four home runs in the last eleven in his last eleven games, or something of that nature. He's he's, he's been pretty hot, uh, at least as far as the power goes. The question is, has to remain as far as whether he can hit consistently. Um, but uh, is any anything any reason you think uh, there should be some mixed league interest at this point in Mustakas now that he is at least flashed a little bit. I think not yet. I think I'd want to wait another week or two, especially he's not going to play against left-handers, which is probably okay for his overall value. You don't need more over four days, but uh, I think not yet. I'm pretty off the top of my head. I think Moustakis has still never finished a season in the majors with a 300 on base percentage, at least a season where he played a decent amount of games. So there's still a lot of work to be done here. And uh, I, I would wait a couple of weeks. And if that means some other guy snaps him up, and gets some home runs in the second half, but probably a low batting average, then so be it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if, if you, you may not be missing out on much, and so there's not really a reason to, to go chase this guy. My question is, I guess, do we go out and chase uh, Travis Darno now that the Mets have talked about? I haven't seen uh, that they have since and changed that intention at the toward the end, or the end of this past week, stated their intent that they wanted to elevate uh, Darno back to the major league roster. Uh, he had just been demoted. Maybe it's been maybe a week and a half or so uh, ago. And since then, with Las Vegas, he has been on fire. And, and the uh, he's <clears throat> excuse me, 4.44 average, 4.83 OBP, 9.26 slugging percentage, and so that includes six home runs. He's walked three times and only struck out five in 54 at bats. Uh, and so you're looking at about close to 60 plate appearances. Obviously, that's really exciting, but we know that specifically, the uh, well, the, uh, generally the Pacific Coast League comes with a lot of caveats as far as hitter performance. Specifically speaking, that hitting at at Las Vegas, dry desert heat, that comes with the ultimate caveat as far as player performance. I have to be incredibly worried here that Darno is it's kind of the potential here for fool's gold uh, that the Mets don't really seem to have a grasp yet on the fact that uh, that hitter performance there is is really inflated and not to say that they're not aware of it perhaps but perhaps uh, it makes me concerned I mean uh, the Mets 
give you plenty of reason to doubt some of their decisions in the past already. So uh, is this is this a guy that you uh, are you convinced? Is this is this a guy you want to go chase after as your in your, maybe your second catcher spot in a mixed league at all? 12 team, 15 team league doesn't matter. I mean, to me, uh, I would have to have a pretty bad catcher situation to think that this is guy. This is a guy I definitely want to risk um, someone who's really not a, a reliable performer uh, for the rest of the season just for, for a shot on Darno. Yeah, I think if I could, you know, if I could, if I was using uh, maybe like an Alex Avila or, Avila or someone like that as my second catcher, I would if I could get Darno on the cheap and just stuff Avila on my bench for for a week or two and maybe give darno a look and see you know how he played uh but i totally agree with your your comment on the pcl i think last year he hit 328 last down there before he was called up and then when he was called up he didn't hit well for the mets either so uh, we've already seen this before where he goes down there plays in las vegas and the blue jays had hitters when they had their team in las vegas who would hit really well and then come up and not hit well and we've seen this before so i mean the minor league numbers are fine i guess i guess it would be really concerning if he was struggling in las vegas and his major league sample size is pretty small so i guess there's that there's at least that upside there if you're using someone you know really Who's, who's both bad and lacks upside in a second catcher in a 15-team league, then I could see you going to Darno uh, and giving him a shot. But he's not worth a he's not worth a big bid. He's not worth, you know, clearing out a catcher spot for, at least not yet. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think, I mean, I think there's, you know, like I'll put the brakes on it and say, like, there's unquestionably there's upside here. I, I think that there's some, some raw hitting talent. There's certainly some questions that you have to have about his control of the strike zone. The, the positive you could say, and again, this is going to come with those caveats or performance in the PCL and at Vegas, is that the strikeout rate is way down. Uh, but uh, also, I mean, he's he's exhibited kind of uh, some hefty walk rate walk rates in the minors. And the only thing that makes me wonder, the only thing that's going to make me wonder about this, and I will be interested, I'm going to be monitoring him because, I mean, I have a, I'm happy with in, in both of the main leagues I'm paying attention to. I'm, I'm happy with the catcher production. I have Jonathan LaCroix in both of them. So, of course, that's going to be happy. I'm going to be happy about one of them. But uh, and depending on Carlos Ruiz there, uh, solid production. I love Ruiz. But uh, Darno does offer a different plane of production, potentially. Very low on the possibility, uh, the possibility of coming through. But the only thing I'll say is I, I, maybe the cut, uh, the cut down on the strikeouts, that – that could mean not a whole lot, but the walk rate was down in the short period that he's been down there. And maybe the idea was like, Hey, Darno, part of the reason that you're struggling here is you're not being very aggressive. We want to see you go after some pitches uh, and really kind of take a hold of this opportunity as opposed to just kind of sit back. Uh, he does have in general, and it's a displayed it in the minors, a good control of the strike zone, but maybe reluctant to kind of put his goods on display in the majors for whatever reason. And maybe he's exploitable, and so he's kind of laying off some stuff that he know he can't deal with otherwise. It's it's really hard to say at this moment, but if it's if it was with a mandate to be more aggressive, and maybe that has really changed things for him. So, I mean, he's worth monitoring. There's, sef- there's definitely talent here. And if you can get good hitting talent at catcher, we know. I mean, especially this has been a really tough year for catching production. Uh, in fantasy terms, that's a, it's a guy to monitor. But again, like I, I'm, I'm so skeptical based on the, the things that we talked about that uh, I mean, I want to see this before I'm just uh, ready to buy it. If I can, if I can stash him somewhere, some way, that's the ideal way to approach it because I would not look at this as a definite solution just because he's been down to the minors already. Absolutely, and, and the Mets don't have a great track record with developing hitters in the first place. So uh, you know, there could be more ups and downs here, and. We talked about the same when we talked about with panic, like lineup spot. Well, if they put Darno hitting seventh or eighth in that lineup, 
you know, pretty pretty low upside. But and he, he like he'd have to hit for either some power or some average to justify the pickup at that point because the lineup around him is probably not going to do him any favors. That's true, and and they make it tougher on him to continue his his. Uh, progress, I think, too, if they put him that low, in a sense, at least if, if they hit him in front of the pitcher, maybe that's also contributed to his his uh, his desire to walk. I have to che- I would have to check his lineup spot. I know he's consistently hit near the bottom of the order, uh, but it'd be interesting to see if he's uh, frequently hit eighth because that would just kind of handicap him as well. I think. Uh, but uh, another thing I want to touch on, at least uh, real quickly, is that uh, the prior. I mean, the, Josh Harrison is he he has produced flat out produced for the Pirates and. I mean, that's who Gregory Pol- Polanco, I mean, we were too, obviously for reasons uh, not to be determined, uh, incredibly excited about the Polanco promotion. Um, but that's who Polanco displaced in right field because the Pirates just weren't getting anything out of uh, Jose Tabata and Travis Snyder. But Harrison has played, he played a decent right field and uh, was producing and really kind of lucked out perhaps uh, because Neil Walker hit the disabled list about shortly after that or about the same time that, as that promotion. And he's continued to fill in there and, and hit fairly well. I'm not entirely sure that he can continue to produce at the rate that he has, uh, but it's been solid. I've seen him picked up in fantasy leagues. He's, he has five home runs, four stolen bases at this point in the season. Uh, actually, uh, make it five stolen bases because he picked up another today. Uh, but, inc- I mean, incredibly encouraging overall fantasy performance. I mean, he could certainly double those totals, and that has value at least in NL only leagues and in deep mixed leagues. Uh, given that he's he's only compiled about 200 plate appearances, this is a guy who is at least on the radar uh, and, and probably has built up some multiple position eligibility. The question is, is does Hurdle have the situation where he can find a place for Harrison in the lineup like he wants to uh, once Neil Walker returns and assuming that everyone stays healthy? Yeah, it would be pretty easy, I think, to get him in the lineup about four days a week. Uh, in the sense of, you know, he can play so many positions. You can give Polanco a break once a week. He can give Marte a break once a week. He can give Walker a break once a week. He can give Alvarez a break once a week. And boom, he's playing four games a week. And now you can basically call him a regular. He's your super utility guy. Um, and those other guys are all still playing five games a week. And then it's only, like we talked about with the pitchers and the opportunity, the more positions he can play, the more opportunities he has. It's probably only a matter of time till you know, one of those four guys we just mentioned gets a sprained ankle or a bruised calf or something and needs to miss a few days. And then all of a sudden he plays the same position four days in a row or there's a DL stint at some point. In a deep league, I think he's definitely worth hanging on to, especially because he can go in pretty much anywhere in your lineup. Uh, and that gives him a lot of value. And there probably will be another stretch where he plays often. They do like him as a spark plug. But we know he runs. He's a little bit like Brock Holton. I, well, actually, I think a lot like Brock Holton in this regard. He runs a fine line where if he, over a two-week stretch, bats 125, all of a sudden he can go right back to just being a bench player. Um, whereas Neil Walker can bat 125 over a two-week stretch, and he's still going to be their second baseman. So the the line is fine for Harrison, but as long as he's on the right side of it, there's nothing wrong with keeping him on a bench spot in a deeper league. Yeah, for sure. And I think... I think what's what's probably most a shame for the Pirates is that uh, they that he can't play shortstop. I, they've been incredibly reluctant to play him at shortstop with good reason. He doesn't. I don't think he flashes the kind of range there that they need. And Jordy Mercer has he's done well there. I mean, he's he's fielded the position well enough. And uh, Harrison, I don't think is is really a guy that you could justify sticking in that spot. I think they'd be happy to do that if Harrison's glove played there. Uh, and I don't think I don't think Mercer's. Uh, production has overall really has knocked anybody on their socks, but uh, I mean he's he's holding down that spot. I, I think it would be a great situation if they could get Harrison in a shortstop, and that would resolve that. But 
uh, it doesn't seem like Harrison's glove plays there. So, yeah, they have an opportunity to keep him in. I, mean, I think I think ultimately Harrison proves to be pretty much an NL-only league play simply because, I mean, you're, you're going to go through stretches where even if they're keeping him in there, it's three or four games a week. Uh, and it's not great, but yeah, there's. I think there's always the opportunity. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be incredibly reluctant to let him go, even in a 15-team mixed league, because I think the type of production that he offers is like, well, even if I get him back because he has a, a strong role at this at this time, uh, it's not like super plus. It's not. It's not a great deal of money earning production, and I'm so I'm not missing out if someone else beats me and went to bid say um, in a hundred dollar. Hundred dollar fab league, you know, somebody bids six dollars against my three or something like that and wins them, they can have them, and uh, I wouldn't feel like I was missing out on a whole lot, I guess. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I think, uh, and since we touched on it, I do want to mention. I mean, Adam Wainwright came back from uh, elbow soreness on Saturday. He had a good start, no issues so far, no issues released. I mean, of course, I guess uh, considering the Michael Walker situation doesn't necessarily mean anything, but uh, does. it does provide a little bit of emphasis to the Carlos Martinez situation and perhaps even anybody else in the, you know, the tire, the tire of the lions or Joe Kelly mold in the sense that uh, this don't, don't entirely rule out continued opportunities for these guys who don't have a rotation spot. Of course, it really applies most to Martinez, but is there anything that concerns you about Wayne Wright uh, moving forward? When we talked about, uh, you know, and I specifically when we talked about Wayne Wright before, this is not a guy we were going to look to sell low on because you're not going to take that kind of risk. The reward with Wayne Wright is uh, obviously much greater than anything you get for him in this in the span of people being concerned about the injury. Uh, but overall, is there anything to concern you where if he goes through a good stretch, you'd still try to pedal him? Um, yeah, I, the one thing I can think just thinking outside the box on Wayne Wright, if I owned Wayne Wright and I was at the top of my league, uh, which a lot of teams that own Wayne Wright could quite well be at the top of their league. Uh, the one situation where I might think about selling just a little bit low on him for the security uh, would be if he strings together a couple starts here, take trade him to a team in the middle of the pack that's looking to, to take a risk for a starter who's a little bit worse than him, but it has a completely clean bill of health right now. There's a good chance that Wainwright will be fine and lead you all the way to your title, but there is now that slight chance that he could have another setback or another injury and uh, and you lose your best pitcher for a while. So if you wanted to trade him for a pitcher who's pitching really well and is completely healthy, but just isn't in that top what's Wayne Ring, you know, a top five starter. Like he's not in that top five class. I don't think it'd be crazy to trade for say trade Wayne Ring for say that you're your number eight or nine starter. Um, and that again might be a sensible move for a team in the middle of the pack because they get that chance that Wainwright goes through one of those stretches he can have where he throws eight innings per start, you know, for a whole month and gives up, you know, four or five, six runs all month or the whip below one and he can do that for you. If you're the guy who's already in first place, you'd love to have it, but maybe you don't need to take the risk to keep it. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think it's just, it's another excellent opportunity for folks. I mean, if you played, if you ever get the chance to play with Fred Zinke in a baseball league and uh, you don't mind your inbox being flooded with trade offers, I'll tell you this. I mean, this is a guy who he, he can find plenty of reasons to make a trade and find eventually somebody who's willing to make it. And it's, a lot of times it works out for him. I mean, I think I, I applaud him. I'm I'm quite jealous of his stra- uh, his strategy. I mean, he he often puts his team in, in great positions to win, and it's primarily the way he, he deals because he doesn't just say uh, I'm looking to sell high and buy low and things like that. I mean, what, you know, uh, elementary fantasy owners at this point are familiar with those tactics. It's just Fred has a way of uh, maneuvering his roster and playing to uh, playing to the strengths and, and weaknesses and appeals of. Uh, of all teams and all positions in the standings and saying like, uh, for again, for instance, he, he may find that team 
he doesn't just throw it out there and say, anybody want Wainwright? He says, hey, uh, he goes to the team and, uh, that might want Wainwright and a chance to uh, gain some, uh, willing to take that risk. Uh, and so maybe he is able to make that deal. Not to say, again, that this is the ideal deal you're looking for, but Fred finds the angle. And I think that that's, it's, it's really interesting. And it's, uh, it's always, uh, again, it's something you can learn from his game. And uh, just want to touch real quick on Wilson Ramos. It sounds like he's coming back from a strained hamstring uh, near the middle of this week. The only thing that concerns me about Ramos is something we talked about a little bit before. His his where he where he lands on the catcher tiers right now is kind of shaky, simply because I mean he's played in only 24 games. I think the number is for the Nationals this season. But we know that the promise of the production is there. He offers some power at catcher and the ability to hit for average at times. But uh, I mean he's he's had he's had the trouble staying healthy. And then on top of it, like he's he kind of teased a no in his first game uh, on his minor league rehab assignment hit a home run and he's really displayed the power on these minor league rehab assignments on a couple of occasions. Uh, and his last time back, he didn't really produce uh, before he ended up back on the disabled list with this hamstring strain. It, it begs the question. I mean, you, you need to see if, if you own him, there's certainly no reason to say, Oh, I'm going to give up on him now. I mean, you've stuck it out this long, but uh, it just, it begs the question. I mean, we need to see several weeks of health from him first and then need to be having the patience to uh, once he's healthy uh, unless it, unless he changes direction here on us and and uh, really provides the part the the power and the production right out of the gates, which he has yet to do, um, whether this is going to change for him because I think we we know that there's a bit of hit, hitting talent here, um, but it's it, it's going to require some patience that the health hasn't quite allowed for him yet. What's your take on Ramos? I mean, do you view this guy as a kind of a long term solution to catch? I mean, is he, how how appealing is he to you and in uh, I guess both in, uh, in in redraft leagues and maybe even in keeper leagues. Yeah, I, I think he he's so injury prone. I think you can't view him right now as a long term solution. That being said, if you need a catcher, he's probably he has more upside than probably anyone else in your waiver wire. In two catcher leagues, I think I'm scared to death of him now because you just he he's up and down all the time with the injuries. Uh, in a one catcher league, though, that's where he really interests me. Because there's always catchers on the waiver wire. You know, they're probably only, say, 12 team, one catcher league. There's only 12 catchers owning your league, maybe a couple on benches. So there's more than half the catchers in the league are sitting on the waiver wire. So in those leagues, if I was just going along with a blah kind of, you know, AJ Pruszynski kind of guy, um, I'd be right in on, on picking up Ramos and using him. Uh, and if he ends up back on the DL or, you know, he hits a buck 50 for the next couple weeks, that you can always jump off again. It's the two catcher leagues where where I'd be wary of him. I think if I owned him in a two-catcher league and he had a nice month, I might look to sell him uh, before the next DL stint. That being said, I mean, he was great in the second half last year. So he is, if you're trying to climb up the standings, I guess he's a risk that you have to take. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I don't know. I worry about him. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's a great point. We do get questions uh, oftentimes on these guys in the one-catcher leagues, and I think that's a great perspective to take because we know that the upside's there. It's just a question of whether he's going to stick around long, long enough to deliver it. But uh I mean, if he does, hey, that's fantastic. And and again, like 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 Fred said, you have an opportunity to replace him with something that's decent uh, if it, if he doesn't turn out for you. We do know that uh, it sounds like Michael Saunders off to a great start in his rehab stint. Uh, should be headed back from a shoulder injury late this week. Certainly not a guy you should plug into your lineups uh, unless you're in an AL only league and you're really kind of uh, scraping the bottom of the barrel there. But uh, it sounds like everything's been positive for him, so that's good. Uh, Neil Walker sounds like he's 
close to returning from his appendectomy could be the early part of this week, uh, which would actually be when he's eligible. I'm a little wary of that one myself simply because, I mean, I always feel like these guys lately in the last few years, you've seen him and Adam Dunn, these players who have had an appendectomy. And I know that the procedure, I don't know which one specifically that Walker had, but that the procedure is not necessarily very invasive anymore. Uh, but that it's, I mean, any kind of surgery is, is still something that kind of weakens the body overall. And so I'm just a little concerned. I mean, I think it, for fantasy owners, especially like I wouldn't look to activate him this week if I, especially if I could hold him out of, for any reason. Um, but uh, these guys might take a little bit, a uh, little bit of time to get back going a- anything that uh, otherwise there that concerns you. I agree with what you said about the appendectomy. And I, I can remember a few years ago, uh, not actually not that long ago, Matt holiday, uh, having the same procedure, and I remember I owned him, and I think at NFBC League, and I was really worried. You know, do you hear appendectomy, and you think this is going to be a really long-term thing? And I, I don't remember how long it was out, but it might have just been the minimum. Uh, and so, yeah, it's not as invasive now, and these guys can come back and play really well. I would be ready to put Walker back. He's having a great year. I'd be ready to put him back in my lineup right away. Yeah. Okay. And that's, I mean, it's uh, it's it's he's he's off to a, a fantastic start this year. Uh, certainly encouraging. Uh, I would be a little patient, but I think overall, given the, I mean, he's he's flashed a lot of great power, and uh, we knew that the the twenty home run type power was definitely possible, and it's starting to really blossom. So I think it's it continues to be encouraging. Uh, Garrett Cole shoulder fatigue sounds like it, as long as he doesn't have any setbacks, and I don't think there's this is a player we've talked about in the past. I think this is this time off might actually be a good thing for him, uh, but it's targeting this Saturday for a return. Um, and Tyler Skaggs, hamstring strain, possibly this week. And that would, sounds like that would still send Hector Santiago to the bullpen. Uh, and that certainly would be a boost to the Angels, rota- the Angels rotation. Uh, so overall, it sounds like some good things with health are concerned. Shane Victorino, it, I guess there's a good possibility here that he will resume his rehab assignment on Monday. Uh, and therefore, I, I guess it's a possibility that he is back sometime this week, possibly the weekend. Again, this is not a guy I would look to activate right away or anything like that because he continues to have little minor issues with setbacks and things like that. But that's something to uh, to keep in mind, especially the, the Red Sox need the at-bats in the outfield. Uh, I don't think this is a guy that they'll look to plug in and solve their center field situation, but uh, certainly the guy that I think that they're hoping to depend on in the second half of the season. Yeah, I do. he concerns me as far as this rehab stint, you know, got going the rehab assignment and then shut down again. And he's just maybe this is just the year where Shane Victorino's body just doesn't respond well and he needs an entire offseason to get himself uh, back in form. I, I'm a Victorino guy. Like I consider myself someone who I own him in often in a lot of leagues. Not this year so much, but usually I do. And uh, I thought about trying to buy low on him when he was hurt and pick him up from people who were probably really frustrated with him because he played, he played poorly and he was injured. So that's probably a good chance to buy low on someone. But the reports, he just doesn't seem to be like his body just doesn't seem to be responding and really putting him on that comeback trail really quickly. And I don't know if that's a uh, you know something that comes from him playing till the end of October last year or what exactly. But maybe this is just a year where his body doesn't respond and we never really get to see the full Shane Victorino this year. That being said, if he's healthy, I, like I really like him in the second half, but I think I definitely would want him at a, a significant discount if I was picking him up right now. Yeah, those are and those are excellent points because it's a player. I mean, he's at this point he's in his mid thirties. Uh, speed doesn't age well, and that's primarily probably what you have to look at him for anymore as a, as a player who can have an impact in the speed category. He did hit some hit some power last season, but overall, I mean, yeah, the 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 health 
issues really have to be driving the nuts at this point. And so it does, it just doesn't seem like, uh, his body is quite in, in shape and really, uh, it's, there's something about it, like you said, that he, he's not responding uh, quite the same. His body is really beaten up. And uh, that's, that's concerning. I mean, it was a deep postseason run, obviously, for the Red Sox. And so uh, he's still maybe kind of feeling the effects of that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what, what, <clears throat> this is kind of a tough blow, I think, to the, the Blue Jays' fractured index finger for Brett, Brett Lawry. Uh, obviously, it's kind of devastating what seems to be kind of a breakout season for him in the sense this is this is what we've been waiting for he's already has the 12 home runs he hasn't run yet uh but the 12 home runs he's got the batter, batting average up to around 250 um really kind of a tough time for this to happen i hope that the absence isn't uh for too long but this is the kind of thing i would imagine is at least kind of a four to six week injury and the blue jays for as good as their offense is does they don't there's no really here that nobody here that really benefits from the playing time or say i need to get that guy uh, just kind of ensures, for instance, that Juan Francisco has a regular role and, and stuff like that. But there's no there's nobody here that really benefits. But uh, uh, a chance to, to wax kind of on observations about about Lawry. Is there anything here that you see this play the situation playing out where this concerns you in the long run? No, I, w- I actually wasn't that impressed with him this season in general. Um, and, and I watched a lot of Blue Jays games before the injury. Uh, the power numbers were nice, and you're right, he was on pace for over 20 home runs this year. I don't think he had even attempted a stolen base yet, which is a real disappointment. I think most fantasy owners were expecting 10-plus steals for him. And not only had he not stolen a base, he hadn't even attempted one, which really maybe said, I don't know if they were trying to preserve his health by not having him steal bases or if that's just – John Gibbons isn't the most aggressive manager. But uh, And then the other thing that concerns me with him is the on-base percentage was still pretty low. I think it, I think on the season it was around 300, maybe a little below 300, which is, is pretty, it's quite poor. I think it had been up the last few weeks. Uh, maybe the last six weeks or so. Uh, but I still think we haven't really seen him put it all together. I don't know if we are going to see him put it all together. I totally agree with you that the injury doesn't really open up anything exciting because Juan Francisco was already playing against right-handers. We don't want him playing against left-handers. And he kind of goes as he's going to go anyways as to whether he's going to be a home run hitter or, or a strikeout artist or both. Um, there's The Blue Jays' offense is definitely – the Blue Jays' offense was one that I didn't want to start almost any non-ace I did not want to use against the Blue Jays' offense three weeks ago. And now Lind is kind of banged up. Uh, Laurie's out. Francisco has cooled off completely. Batista left, left today's game. I am much less scared about using pitchers against the Blue Jays this week. Even Reyes uh, wasn't supposed to play today with a minor injury. This might be a window here where – where this offense is, is seriously weakened. Yeah, that's a great point. It's something we talked about in the past about uh, when you're having a uh, line of decisions uh, to make as far as the back end of your fantasy rotation. That's definitely something to keep in mind uh, for fantasy. This, this seems like it's it's good gettings, get, well, get while the gettings are good against the Blue Jays for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the question I, I think I have, and uh, another opportunity to, to uh, brag about Fred's uh, awesome trade uh, Moxie is that uh, he could not have dealt. I don't think Angel Pagan at a better time than you did uh, in the in a mixed league. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but about a week ago, made a trade for Shinsu Chu, uh, and so Fab was involved too. So I don't think it was a straight up trade. Uh, he didn't totally rip the guy off or anything like that. But uh, I think it was an excellent time, just as far as because this is this is the primary thing that concerned me is that Pagan. He's already they've they've. The Giants have taken steps already to try to manage health with him, and he's been dealing with this back inflammation, discomfort issue for several days now to the point where uh, now they're they're talking about they might make a decision to put him on the DL as soon as Monday. 
that's obviously puts you in a, in a situation where fantasy owners can't depend on him heading into this week. I mean, the, the, you need to already have the, the the contingency plan in place going into the week. But uh, what is it, what, what's your kind of take on the rest of the season outlook for Pagan? Or does this does this affect anything as far as uh, his his outlook goes? I mean, or is this just kind of part of the course? Yeah, I think it is part of the course. I'm actually shocked that he's not already on the disabled list because he's missed a, a fair amount of time. Uh, when I traded him, uh, he was he at the time he was completely healthy, or at least he was as completely healthy as Pagan. For <laughs> he had already he had already had some day to day things uh, over the first couple months of the season. But I think I traded him a week ago last Tuesday, so about you know almost two weeks ago, and about three days later he started to be day to day, and then it just kind of the days just kept rolling. And uh, part of my evaluation when I made the trade, I knew I was picking up an injured player in Chu who was playing through an injury and might be ineffective, but. And Pagan had been playing quite well, but, uh, you know, his upside isn't what Chu's is. And uh, I knew with Pagan there is that chance. I love Pagan, and, and I hope he turns out fine because I still own him on a couple other teams. Uh, but I know there's that chance. He has his fair – he has more bumps and bruises than the average player. And like I said, how I really don't trust someone like Wilson Ramos. But And I trust Pagan to own him. But, yeah, you almost just anticipate a DL stint. I would love to see them just – put him on the DL. I mean, he's missed a week now. Just put him on the DL and let the guy rest and get healthy because he was playing really, really well before this happened. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, I think it's, it's, it was it, he was a fantastic buy in, in drafts this season. It's it's disappointing to say the least. I would like to see that's yeah. Ultimately, I would like to see him end up on the DL, stick him there, uh, make sure he gets healthy. Uh, he had a knee injury that they were trying to manage primarily, and this is I don't think back. This is the first time he's had back problems. So ultimately, I would just like to see him. And I think that's what's interesting to me. And maybe it's just because and I know Mike Morris is also banged up or just just became banged up. I don't know that that injury is serious, but. I think the combination of these things, I mean, the Giants can't, no team can pl- afford to play down uh, for any significant stretch. But I think um, no matter how uh, uh, maybe encouraging this, uh, the signs were, I think, for Pagan, to me, it's a, it's a situation you say, Pagan is a guy we know that we've had to be cautious with or should have been cautious with in the past. Stick him on the DL. Let's let him get over this, even if he, you know, if we miss out on several days that he would have been healthy. We know that it'll be healthy and then kind of ready to deal with the the next significant stretch as opposed to just saying, uh, let's hold out hope, let's hold out hope. So now they put themselves in a situation where they pretty much have to make a decision and uh, and they've played down even more significantly for certain stretches. So uh, maybe this will teach them a lesson in the long run and, and hopefully they, they be more, they'll be more cautious with Pagan uh, in the future. But uh, I mean, that'll be that that certainly remains to be seen. Yeah, and if, if you're a Pagan owner, uh, you might not have to look far. You could, if he goes does go on the DL, you could just use Gregor Blanco for a week. Uh, he, you know, there might be better options, but in a deep league, uh, Blanco hasn't hit great lately. But he can kind of just beat Pagan for you if you put him in your lineup for a week. He'll probably steal a base, so that kind of makes him pretty much like Pagan. He'll 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 hit a leadoff spot at some point, probably steal a base or two. Uh, you know, maybe score a few runs. Um, it would be pretty easy for a fantasy owner to replace Pagan, but I'd like to see them put him on the DL so that we can just go ahead and make that move. And if you want to go pick up, pay more and pick up J.D. Martinez or someone who's hitting really well right now and take a shot at that, and a guy like that or a different type of hitter off your bench. But, I mean, Blanco's just kind of sitting there in virtually every mixed league just waiting if you want to use him for a few days. Yes, yes. I think that's, yeah, I think that's a fantastic approach. Blanco has... 
he has gotten me by before in a very deep mixed league. Uh, actually, was in tout a few years ago. He's he's gotten me by, and that's you know sometimes that's really all you need. Uh, Colton Wong hits DL shoulder injury. This is something he's kind of been dealing with uh, for the past several days. Uh, it's disappointing. There's no, nothing here in terms of fancy implications. It's disappointing primarily because I think he's dealt with a little bit of pro- health problems before. But since they brought since the Cardinals had brought him back up. Uh, he, had, he had, for the most part, he had hit well, uh, hit his first major league home run, and just in general, is performing well. Do you see what? I mean, I've said I don't, I don't see it, but do you see anybody benefiting? Excuse me, benefiting uh, fantasy wise here to the point where uh, they can do the same thing in terms of uh, uh, kind of perform as a fantasy band aid. No, not really. I mean, the only people who benefit, I guess, are opposing pitchers because they'll get to <laughs> face Mark Ellis. Uh, I, I was disappointed too because I really felt when Wong first came up. He really started to look like he was going to put it together. And he, we were, like we were talking about with Darno, like when they sent Wong down, he was playing well in AAA. They brought him back up. He was hitting really well at the beginning. Uh, I actually made a trade uh, right after he came up in Tout Wars where I traded uh, Matt Joyce and the uh, other owner gave me a choice of Wong or Johnny Peralta. So just kind of a stopgap. Peralta would be like an okay middle infielder. I took Peralta for the security. About three days later, I completely regretted it because Wong had stolen a few bases. I think he hit a grand slam, and and I felt terrible about it. Now that trade seems like it was a little better uh, because Wong really cooled off and now is on the DL. I'd love to see him get healthy and stay healthy for a couple months so we can really see what he's made of, uh, but it looks like it's not going to happen right now. I would not totally give up on him, and if he gets dropped in a mixed league, I would definitely just keep him on my radar for when he gets back. Uh, they were also, the Cardinals were totally fine with hitting him second in the lineup when he first came up, which I think they did for him and for the team. And if he gets gets healthy again and they put him second, like you get him in front of, if Holiday, who hasn't been great this year, and Craig gets going and, you know, like he could, he could Matt Adams is, is hitting better lately. Like he could score a lot of runs if, if he can get healthy. It should, we just can't, he just can't seem to quite get going and stay there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's. I mean, he plays yeah, – Wong plays in a deep mix league for that kind of security blanket. The guy, is, he's nice to have around on the bench. He's not going to do a ton for you, but I think he's he's more reliable in the sense that, uh, say, say you gave me right now for rest of season Wong and Panic, and I knew that these guys were going to have every day at bats for the rest of the season, forget all team situations. I still want Wong. And, and like you said, the, the, the it's encouraging how much confidence the Cardinals have shown in Wong, especially since the call-up, that they were willing to move him up in the lineup. And I think that that just kind of says a lot about, again, like I think he has somewhat low failure rate in the sense he may never be great, but uh, he may certainly get the job done. As far as uh, one other injury that really concerns me, I think, before we get into the, the, the pit, two-turn pitchers, and we'll just take a couple of minutes to kind of uh, point out our favorites and not-so-favorites, uh, but uh, Chase Headley is, I mean, he's been dealing with a herniated disc in his back now that we find out that's what it is. Uh, a couple of days ago, he was he was scratched from the lineup on Friday and since has not been back in. This this situation, I mean, we've seen players deal with this in varying degrees. It's hard to say how serious this is, but anytime you deal with a back injury, scary Anytime you deal with a herniated disc, potentially scary. Oftentimes, it's a situation. I think that this, in the long term, this doesn't work out well for the player. And uh, we may have, to me, I mean, this this could be something that has really contributed to his performance. His batting average has been around 200 all season, and even when he came back from the calf strain, uh, seemed like he showed some flashes of coming back out of this slump, but has really not shown it. And it's starting to make 
poor timing for him too, because this is a walk year. Uh, this has been the year kind of everybody has been anticipating is this is the year, uh, you know, Padres is going to decide what to do with him. Is he going to, is he going to play his way out of San Diego? Is he going to play his way out and, and get a big contract? I mean, it's not looking that way. And, uh, I mean, it's terrible timing. This turns out to be an industry or I'm sorry, an injury that handicaps him. But, uh, is this the, any any reason, I guess, to speculate that this is not such a big deal, or if so, I mean, you, you've obviously you've been heavy in the news here lately. Uh, are, are you overly concerned about this? Am I am I being a little too pessimistic about the this? And do you, I mean, do you see you see uh, see any scenario where Headley really is uh, starts to turn things around? Not not really. I think I think your pessimism is uh, well warranted. Uh, the upside with I mean, I know he was amazing two years ago for a stretch. Uh, and helped a lot of people win their leagues. Uh, but the uh, the upside of him right now is really limited. Uh, he's playing poorly, he's injured, and he plays on by far the worst offensive team in baseball. I think they're over 40 runs behind the Braves, who are the second worst offensive team in baseball. So even if he starts to play better himself, the support around him just isn't there as long as he's on San Diego. And with the injury, it seems less likely, uh, you know, that he'll get to be in a new uniform by August 1st. I mean, it could happen, but it's less likely. Um, yeah, I, I think I think your pessimism is totally warranted. In a shallow league, I'd be, I would drop him. Like, I wouldn't be interested in owning him. Uh, I don't think he's a buy low guy. Uh, if I own, him, if you own him, I guess you're just in now. I mean, I don't really see what else you can do. Uh, you're not going to get much for him in a trade. I guess if I could go out. To be honest, I'm so low on Headley that if I if I did own him, uh, if I could go out and just find a third baseman who wasn't a name guy, no one pops in my head right off the top of my head right now. But or maybe maybe if I could swap him for a struggling guy at a different position who I just felt better about, uh, then I would do it. But if you could swap him for a guy who's just not a name guy but happens to be, but is actually more productive, that's totally where I would go. Yeah, that's it's it's really disappointing to me. I mean, I have I I have quite a bit of belief in Headley, but I think it's um, it's kind of the point. I don't know if it's if it's too soon, too late, whatever it is you want to call it. If it's if it's any of those things to call him injury prone, but um, several years uh, injuries have really seemed to interrupt or put a damper on. It's not necessarily that he's missed a ton of time. There have been times where he's missed significant stretches, but even when uh, he's been in the lineup, he's dealt with health problems that have clearly, at this point, when you can look back on it, have affected his performance. And I think that that's just something that kind of comes with the territory and is really kind of – I was ready to – certainly thought he was overvalued coming off the huge year and what was it? Was it 2012 that he hit the 31 home runs? Uh, but anyway, I, I was – I mean, certainly thought he was way overvalued for a number of reasons. I mean it, it, was, it was nice – it was a nice fantasy story to say, oh, we can think of plenty of reasons to justify the production uh, even if you uh, regress it to the mean that he'll still be really productive for you. Even then, thought he was overvalued. But – I think even uh, at the same time, I thought he was a quality player and I didn't want to come totally pan on him. And uh, once buying opportunity present itself, I was like, yeah, I want to go get this guy. Now I feel differently. I feel like if I look back on his health record and things like that, like it's, it's really disappointing that it, it, I think oftentimes more often than not, even if I have him, uh, am I having him at 100 percent? And the only way you can really be confident in that is if he's really producing well. And, and, and uh, at any other time, I think you have to be a little bit doubtful. And I think that that's – it just sucks <laughs> because I think that there's certainly a, a good bit of ability there. Uh, yeah, uh, steel yeah, bases. yeah there, there's, some, there's some natural talent there. But when we're thinking about the short-term and one-year leagues, I mean you can go back to talking about the two trade that I recently made. If you're going to buy low on a player 
or, you know, project that improvement. You really got to think, you know, what will he be when he improves? And when I traded for Chu, I thought, well, you know, he's hitting third for the Rangers. He's always great at getting on base. If he gets past this ankle thing and maybe runs a little more and goes back to being a 400 on base guy, well, I can definitely see a really good player here. With Headley, you just look and you think, well, he gets past the back injury and he starts playing a little better. Well, he's not the 30 home run guy. So he's a, a teens home run guy in, in a tough part on a, in a weak offensive team. Uh, they could even become weaker if they go. I mean, they just had the general manager change. Uh, they could be weaker if they go into a further rebuild and sell off some of their pieces this summer for younger players. I mean, it's hard to envision a scenario where Headley's a real asset this season in a mixed league now that we know there's an injury on top of everything else. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Uh, on top of it, that yeah, this te- this might be a team that goes into some mood. Actually, actually, their AAA team might be they, they might actually be more productive than their major league team. Let's not totally <laughs> let's not totally dismiss that possibility. <laughs> but yeah, and, and the shakeup there. Uh, let's hope that uh, for the Padres' sake. I mean, hopefully, the only reason um, that Omar Minaya has failed in past tense, even though he was. I mean, this is he he has kind of part of the uh, he steps into this role um, and maybe the only reason he's been bad in this type of role before is because he was given a long leash and a lot of money and maybe uh, now that he has to work within the confinements of a, a much tighter budget that he, he can be a lot more discerning but uh, in the meantime yeah I mean I think that uh, yeah it's it, it's not a pretty situation in San Diego uh, from a I mean long term they definitely have, they have a great farm system there's a there's a lot of talent there and and maybe it's just a situation where uh, the Padres they I mean they 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 say their goodbyes and it was it was great while it lasted but it's not and they don't get the return I mean I think they missed out on their chance to trade him and get anything of significant value for him I think that was pretty clear uh, and I think it's I mean they they talked at times about giving him an extension and things like that and I think they they totally missed that window uh, from an organizational perspective and I think they should be pretty disappointed in that. Um, but. Yeah, they they really sat on the fence with him, which was foolish in the sense of when he had the breakout year, they wouldn't sell high on him and trade, and they didn't want to pay him the money, the huge money to extend him. So by not offering him the huge contract that he would just, you know, accept without even blinking, they were basically saying we need to see more before we completely want to pay you. But then by not selling on him, you know, they were driving by by not selling him in a trade. You know, they were saying, well, we think this guy's a stud. So. I, you're, they just sat on the fence on him, and it wasn't a good idea. They really needed to sit down after that 31 or th- whatever it was home run season and say, okay, is this guy a stud? We offer him stud money. We keep him. He's our cornerstone. Or we trade him right now and and get the best because the, the return's never going to be higher because if he hits the 30 home runs again, then you're going to want to keep him. And uh, and if he doesn't, then, you know, then you're going to wish you had traded him. That would, they just couldn't sit on the fence in that situation, and they did. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think uh, I couldn't agree more as far as their their screw up well, as far as that goes. Um, <laughs> totally, totally disappointing about what it, the way they handled that, especially in hindsight, uh, which is awesome when we had the benefit of it, <laughs> or at least at least me. I mean, I think that that's yeah. They I, I put putting it as they said on the fence with it. I I, I don't think you could put it any better than that. Uh, before we wrap up the show, uh, we always do this little thing with the two turn pitchers on Sundays. Uh, just when we, we jump into them briefly, is this an op- it's an opportunity to say, Hey, uh, um, uh, this is a guy that's kind of on the fringe and we, we kind of like him a little more than we usually would as a good two turn guy, uh, or vice versa. This is a guy that's not really on the fringe, but I would be, I would be hesitant this week. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll start things off just by saying, I mean, I think I'm, I'm a little intrigued by, uh, 
uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Wei Yin Chen for the for Baltimore. He seems to have been pitching a little more uh, more effectively lately and gets two starts at home. That's not always the greatest because it's in Baltimore uh, as the weather is heated up. But uh, one of the, one of them goes uh, the, the tail end of this week. He goes up against Tampa Bay. Obviously, they struggled uh, uh, offensively for a good portion of the season, uh, including lately. They're quite banged up. Uh, and they've really struggled against left-handed pitchers especially. And so as long as he kind of treads water, well, he just has to tread water against the White Sox in the first part of the week. And I think he could deliver pretty – I mean, I know that he's – lately he's been available, and for instance, in my 15-team mixed league. And if it wasn't a case where I already have a lot of pitching depth, most of it – most of it quality. It might be a guy I would, I would be willing to give a run. Um, and not off the bat, anybody really strikes me as anybody I'd be overly worried about. But uh, Fred, anybody who uh, either – delights you, tickles your pickle, or uh, concerns you uh, coming into this week? Oh. Hey, Fred, you, fa- you're fa- you faded out on me. Sorry, I don't... Okay. Is that better? Yes. No, okay, yeah. Okay, okay I'll just start over. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's some guys that I can look at, and if I'm going to look for under-the-radar guys, I often like to look in the National League. Uh, Jeff Locke, someone that I'm interested in. Uh, he's got two starts. He has to, he goes to Tampa, as you said, uh, you know, not really hitting well. And I'll look a little bit. I know we don't chase wins, but I will look at wins a little bit. Um, like you mentioned with Chen, he has the two home starts, but I worry a little bit because he's facing Chris Sale, which would be a hard game for him to win. I mean, it's possible, but it's a tough win. Um, with Locke, he, he faces Archer in Tampa. Then he comes home and faces Cologne. I really like Cologne this week, uh, but Cologne's not Chris Sale. So, uh, the thing I like about Locke, um, when you look at his stats from last year, and he had a good run last year where he was an effective fantasy pitcher, it was the walks that really killed him. Uh, the Pirates do a great job with pitchers, and since Locke has been back up, I forget the exact, but I think maybe he's walked only one or two batters in this three starts since he's been back up with them. So if he has imp- if if he's wor- if they've worked with him and gotten him to improve his control, and you know really challenge hitters and, and make them work. Uh, then I don't mind them. The, the Rays aren't a great offense, and the Mets uh, the Mets have trouble you know hitting for power. So so I like him, and I also like Cologne. Uh, same kind of thing. I jumped on Cologne around the end of April in a lot of leagues. People got frustrated with him early and dropped him. But if you look at his season, he had three really bad starts. One was in Coors, so whatever. One was at Yankee Stadium, again, whatever. And the other one was on the road against the Angels, who are a really good offensive team. Outside of those starts, he's been really good. And uh, he does face the A's, which concerns me a bit, but he gets them at home at least. Um, and they won't have the DH at their disposal, which will weaken their lineup. And then he goes to Pittsburgh and faces Locke. And that's, a, you know, a game that could be just a low scoring, you know, Pittsburgh, New York National League kind of game. And, and he can come out with a win. And he's, he goes deep in games a lot. So he has a good win potential. So I would love in a mixed league uh, where I could get both of those guys, try to pick them both up. You hope you get the win when they play on the weekend and hope you get maybe one win between the two of them from their early starts. Yeah, I think those are those are two really uh, good, intriguing kind of under-the-radar picks, especially uh, Cologne. Is, he has turned things around probably kind of quietly uh, for folks in a lot of cases in a lot of fantasy leagues. And Locke is, Locke's actually a guy I wrote about in Waiver Wire earlier this week uh, as a guy that really intrigued me because kind of the same reasons you mentioned and, and uh Noted the fact that he's, a, I think it's a two-seamer, but he's he's uh, he's, he's thrown a, one of his two fastballs a lot more this season than he did in previous seasons, and I think that that has really helped him with his control. That's just kind of a little bit of speculation, but so far so good as far as the uh, the numbers say on it. I think that that has really helped, and he's he has um, he has a lot of tools based on his minor league numbers that uh, you really think that this guy could be 
it's it's a metric that we've we've kind of gotten onto at Fangraphs. A lot of you know already, but the strikeout minus walk percentage has really been. He, he has the tools to continue to put up good numbers, a uh, good number in that category. And I think that he's he, he might be somebody that fantasy owners, in de- at least in deep leagues, or somebody that you want to uh, give a look at uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, I, I think he has a pretty good chance to hold down a spot even when Cole comes back and when Liriano comes back. Uh, but uh, I think those are two great picks, and it should be uh, so. Uh, I think it's a good way to to end things, Fred. I, I can't tell you how glad I was to have you on the show and to bring uh, your your wisdom and knowledge to to fantasy listeners at Fangraphs. Uh, you can find his work at MLB.com. If it, uh, Fred's it's at Fred Zinke on Twitter, correct too? Absolutely. Yep, that's right. Yes. Uh, please tell if there's any other place you brag about some of your work. Uh, and uh, just uh, and and bid fantasy owners to do and appreciate uh, all the all the help and advice you've given us here uh, tonight. Yeah, no. If, if uh, yeah, people want to check out my work, uh, I do a, a question and answer. It comes up on Tuesdays on MLB.com, and a waiver wire comes up on Fridays. Uh, and if people want to ask me questions, they usually send out a tweet on Mondays. Uh, put in your question there. I'll put it in my column uh, on Monday night or early Tuesday morning, and. And can usually give you a pretty uh, like well thought out detailed uh, detailed answer, but it, yeah, it was great to come on here and having and you know in a really extended session to talk about some of the things going on in baseball this week. Yes, absolutely. And again, uh, love I love to I love to have played with Fred in leagues. I've done it uh, in Tout Wars for the last several years. Unfortunately, not this year, but uh, really enjoyed playing against him. And uh, uh, again, he, I, I love his his ability to strategize and uh, to work the trade. He's Nonstop. He's a great fantasy player and uh, continued. And hopefully, you know, hopefully down the road, we get an opportunity to bring you on again, Fred. Appreciate, uh, as always, uh, uh, that, that we were able to bring you on. Yeah, anytime, definitely. Excellent. And uh, so, again, this, is, this has been episode number 132. Thank you for joining us again for The Sleeper and the Bust. Mm-hmm.